Jen, it has been so fun getting to know you. I'm so excited we were able to make this happen. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. Heidi, thank you so much for having me. First of all, it is an honor to be on your show. I know when we had like started together, I feel like we're podcasting running buddies, but I'm just like, you've done such an amazing job with Ordinary Sherpa. It is just so awesome to watch and see how much you've grown and how amazing the podcast is in your community. So I really hope I could be like just a value to you and to your tribe. (laughs) Like You just have so much going on. And I really just thank you so much for having me. Oh, Jen, that's so sweet. Yeah, I have really appreciated. And I think one of the things that I've learned in podcasting is it is so much easier to do things in community. Yes. You know, doing this with someone else who's kind of at the same point has really been a powerful part of the process, wouldn't you say? Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, I literally remember we were taking the course together and I feel like my podcast was a little bit further than just because I had started a little bit more, but you've like leaps and bounds (laughs) in so many ways. It's so cool to see. I mean, like literally we started with like an idea and then it's now out there in the world and yeah people enjoy it, hopefully. (laughs) I know. It's like, it's happening, right? It's funny. Well, maybe let's talk about that a little bit further, because I do think as we talk about your brand, and we'll get into what Investor Mama is in a second, but I want to talk about this concept of community and really, you know, what led you to really feel like you needed to talk about things from the mom perspective, or how did you find your way? I think finding your people is a really hard thing to do as a mom. Can you talk a little bit about like finding your message, finding your people? Sure. And I'm going to make a long story short, but my story actually starts in a little bit of a negative space. In 2018, I had lost my son at birth, Nathan. Mm. And so it was really, really hard. And fortunately, I got pregnant again in 2019. And I was just a nervous wreck. (laughs) And so I really needed something to distract me. And I happened to go to FinCon that year. And I met wealthy Tiff. She also I feel like just started around the same time we did a little bit ahead of us. And now she's huge in the personal finance space. And she's a podcaster as well. And she's like, you know, Jen, it sounds like you want a podcast, just like go in the booth and do it. And so I did it. And I was like, Oh, my goodness, this is amazing. I love it. And had no idea what to do. So I was like, all right, I need to build up the skills. So then I joined the course that we took. And Mm -hmm. it was just so nice to just have support. At that point, I really needed support. And I really needed people to not treat me with like kid gloves, but to also just be able to help me like stay focused and just not think of everything that I had just gone through. So community was really clutch for me at that point. Yeah. There's so many doubts we have in life. I think this is just anything in life, right? You're trying something new. Just there's these doubts. There's this fear. And I I don't even know that it's fear sometimes, but like, what am I doing? (laughs) Yeah. And I'll tell you, it's imposter syndrome too. Like, who am I to have a podcast? Like, I love podcasts. I listen to them all the time. But who am I to get behind a mic and talk? And what am I going to talk about? (laughs) You know, who has to listen to me? (laughs) So in those early days, what kept you going? Who cares if I have seven people listening? I'm just going to keep going. What was it that kept you going? So honestly, it was really for Nathan. I needed something to kind of do in his memory, his honor. And I felt like this was a good way because not only was it a distraction, but I felt that if I could provide value and good in his name, then his name would really be for a blessing and it wasn't for nothing. Mm, That's sweet. That is so sweet. Let's talk about Investor Mama a little bit. I know 
you and I met really through financial independence work. I mean, ultimately the podcast, but what brings us together is really Choose FI and the work that we had done. So as you were forming Investor Mama, what behind that, like what was the messaging? What did you want to bring to the world? So that's a really great question. Thanks for asking that. I love personal finance and I had been just always about money and kind of had the rich dad, poor dad experience in real life. And so a lot of my friends were always asking me about money and like we house hacked. We did a lot of things. I didn't even know what they were called. And so people kept asking me for advice on things and with their money, but it was always like taboo, taboo too. Like, like don't tell anyone, but you know, we're having debt like issues and all this stuff. And Mm. my friend was like, why don't you like just put it out there more? And I was kind of thinking like, what do you mean put it out there? And she's like, I don't know, blog or write about it. I was like, well, I hate writing. I'm not a big into that. And so I kind of thought about it more and more. And I was like, okay, well, podcasting, like that sounds like fun. Like I can do that. And so it just kind of became a thing about, you know, let me talk about money and I'll just kind of like all the things like questions I had, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I realized that personal finance, when you're a mom, it's very different than a lot of what's already out there. Like, yes, you know, there's saving and there's real estate, but when you're a mom, it really changes. And a lot of the content I wanted to produce was also stuff that wasn't really talked about. Like the cost of, you know, having kids can be really expensive. The cost of aging parents and how do you deal with that? And all these things are doing real estate, but doing real estate with kids, (laughs) you know, it's a very different spin. I feel like when you're a mom, there's definitely content out there, but I just didn't find anything that I really related to. And so I was like, you know what, let me see if I could fill this niche. And that was kind of how it got started. Yeah. I've listened to a number of your episodes. Some of them, like I'm trying to think of, there was the one on passive income with Gold City Ventures was really interesting. And the one I know on your grocery bill, I thought that was really fun too. I was like, oh my gosh, I have so much to talk about. I I love these kinds of conversations. (laughs) There's just like something about, so I'm a full-time working mom. And there's something about like, why can I not plan a meal? I'm so (laughs) exhausted at the end of the day. I'm like, I have to have a two week plan or we go off the rails pretty easily. Yeah, I would agree that there are a lot of little things that just make it even harder, right? And if we can lighten the load and if we can make things easier for parents, moms Mm -hmm. in particular, it just, the chances of success are higher. And also just being more relatable, like being in debt, but being in debt as a mom and having kids mm-hmm. and then having to work and, you know, side hustles great, but maybe you don't have time for a side hustle because you're yeah. trying to take care of your kids or, you know, childcare could be really expensive and just like creativity. And then even for those who are maybe more advanced and are into like syndications or something more, I guess, investor savvy, but still it's just a little different when you have kids. I mean, everything's different when you have kids. So why wouldn't money be different about kids? And then also, how do you teach your kids about money? Even from a young age, they watch us, they know what we're doing and good and bad. And so just kind of filtering through what other people's experiences have been with their own kids and what they've learned. I just, I personally find so valuable. So um, that's why I like to share it. Yeah. It's funny as you're saying that I'm actually, I think our stories are the same, except mine's with adventure. So how do you do all these things with adventure? Like I was seeing all these really young, I don't want to say really young, but you know, like people in their 20s and 30s, there's a lot of solo female travelers now, hundreds of them. And I was like, hmm, so what do you do when you're a mom? Like, there's not a lot of mentors out there that help you with adventure and travel and all these things. It's like, nope, apparently I'm too old for all those things. I do feel like our stories are somewhat interspersed that way or intersect in that way. I want to go back though on just a second. You said a couple of things and I just want to clear them up for my audience. Sure, sure. So when you talk about like house hacking, can you explain what house hacking is for my audience? 
Yeah, sure, sure. Great question. So house hacking essentially is when you buy a duplex, a triplex, or fourplex, or two-family, three-family, four-family, and you live in one unit and rent out the others, or maybe you buy a single family, you rent by the room. Essentially, you're having people pay you for housing in some variant that you own. Mm -hmm. And so we bought a duplex. And even that, it was very different when we bought a duplex without kids than when we bought a duplex with kids. (laughs) And when you house hack without kids and when you house hack with kids, just so many nuance to it. And how do you do it? Because a lot of people think house hacking is for like, you know, the tech bros or like living, you know, like in terrible neighborhoods and, you know, struggling. So like, why would you do it with kids? But I actually have a framework where I really feel like you should do it with kids because it could be so beneficial. It's hands-on learning with your kids on real estate. And as long as you do it right, it's great. And you're saving for them. So you're lowering your expenses. And I'm a firm believer that, especially as a parent, we have a real responsibility to get our financial house in order for our children Mm because I never want to be dependent. I never want yeah, to be a burden on them when I'm older. So mm-hmm. anyway, we can take care of our finances now, I feel it'll just be a blessing for the kids later. It's interesting because I'm realizing how many things overlap between like the financial space and the adventure space. So one of the things we've done is we've rented out things, right? Mm-hmm. For example, we have a pop-up camper and we started renting that out. And ironically, when we rented out the pop-up camper, it actually paid for our RV payment. And now we've talked about like, okay, well, if we go for a period of time in the RV, do we rent out our house? So I think when you start to see these little opportunities, it gets you thinking really differently about like, well, maybe we could use this as income because it is an asset. We do own it. We could use this. And just rather than having all these things sitting in our parking lot, I hate to say that, but <laughs> you know, the parking lot of shame, I call it because there's so much stuff here sometimes. <laughs> but rather than just having it sit or pay for storage, how could someone else benefit from our assets? So I think that does have really interesting tie into how we could start thinking about funding adventures too. Oh, from the flip side on financing, like what's the point of having money if you can't enjoy it and create the adventure that you want to create? Like we only live once. So, you know, any way that you can create like special memories or special moments with your kids, I think that's what it's all about. And I think they go 100% hand in hand of adventure slash, and even it's not even just having a lot of money to do things. You can do things that are low cost and creative, but I think it's just all a mindset for both money and travel or adventure. Yeah. Yeah. You can call it travel. You can call it whatever you want. What does that look like for you? So if when I say, you know, adventure with kids or adventure as a family, what does that look like for you guys? So my dream, and we're like so close to being there, is to literally be able to throw a dart on the globe every summer and we take four weeks off and we just spend it in another country with the kids. And it's just like really creating those memorable moments with each other because once they're out in their world, we don't get that time back. So I really want to try every summer to plan like a trip. And it could be far, it could be nearby, but it's more of like intense quality forced family fun time. (laughs) It's funny. I had, my husband never traveled before he met me. I think he had (laughs) been on an airplane once. So he just didn't come from that background. You know, he didn't have the same value around it as I did. And I remember I had to convince him over and over and over again, like, no, we need to travel. And he's like, well, why? Why can't we just do this stuff here? And I was like, well, it's different when you get out of real life. Like when you have that forced family time, like you say, (laughs) You forget about all the distractions at home. You aren't 
wanting to go to your friend's house. You aren't worried about the laundry. It's all those other things that consume our thoughts. You know, like if you have an empty bucket, we're going to find stuff put in it. (laughs) You know, it's not like you get this empty bucket. It just things start to fill in, which sometimes I think that bucket is time, right? If I've got an empty day, it's never empty. I never sit around and I'm bored. Stuff fills in. (laughs) So if you don't get intentional, you know, those vacations don't happen. So that's awesome. I'm so excited to hear that that is what you're working towards. Can you talk a little bit about just like, how do you fund it? Just coming from that finance side, how do you finance all the fun stuff that you want to do? Well, before I dive into that, I just wanted to add, because it's really funny, my husband's the exact same way. And so (laughs) I was all about planning a Disney trip. And he was like, no, no, like the kids, we have a five and two year old. And he's like, you know, they're too young. And it was still kind of during the pandemic. And he's like, you know, nervous wreck, nervous wreck. I'm like, no, I need this. Like we're going to Disney. I'm figuring out a way to like do it extremely cost effective. So we barely have to pay any money. We're doing this. And so we did it. And my son, he was in, um, what's it called? Like early childhood intervention. Mm -hmm. And we literally went to Disney World and he just exploded socially and with words. And so I said, see, this is the start. Even now, my son says, like, go Disney World, go back to Disney World. (laughs) (laughs) And I said to my husband, like, well, you know, we're going to do it again. And it's going to be really cheap, too. But we're doing it. (laughs) So get ready. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about that. How did you do it? How did you do it for cheap? So yeah, so I'm all about trying to optimize, you know, spending, especially travel. And so we use credit cards to travel hack. Mm -hmm. And so for our airfare, we used Ultimate Chase Sapphire points. I have the Chase Sapphire Reserve card, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. And so we got the initial sign-up bonus was 60,000 points. Then my husband signed up. He got 60,000. So we had about 120,000. And then just from spending, we live in a high cost of living area. So we probably had about another 50,000 just through that. So since my son wasn't two yet at the time, he was a lap seat. So he was free to fly. And then I think they gave us a slight discount on our daughter. She wasn't the same price as us, but I was able to cover that with all of our points through that credit card. And then I really like Hilton. I know a lot of people are into Marriott and Hyatt for travel, but with kids, I personally like Hilton because we did the Doubletree and it has the accordion door. So it gave my husband and I a little bit of space from the kids. Mm. So, and they also have like embassy suites, hotels too, which again, it's one room, but it's almost like having two rooms so that we could put the kids to bed and then we could at least have a separation than all being in just one hotel room. So I'm really like Hilton. I know the hotels may not be as nice as some of the other ones, but with the sign up bonus for the Hilton card, I think it was also like, I think it was like a hundred thousand. So we each signed up for that one. And then we had enough. And then the fifth night was free. So we did five nights. So the four nights were covered with points. And then the fifth night was free. And I st- we still have points left over for that, which we're going to put towards a Hawaii trip. Yeah. And then um, for park tickets, my mother-in-law had a city card. I forgot which one. I think it was a city platinum. And she was able to purchase the park tickets. And they have like an eraser where you could go back. I was able to count it as travel. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to get the park tickets for free, Yeah, so, which was amazing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love that. So a couple things I want to like just highlight or reinforce. Sure. I can't tell you how many times we traveled before the kids were two because they were free. In fact, I remember coming back from Disney one time and I was like, we got to get another trip in. My son's going to be two in August. Like we got to get at least one more in. (laughs) That's how we ended up in Texas that summer. (laughs) So it's funny how those things motivate you. 
Yeah, and I, was, I wish we could have done more, but the pandemic happened. He was a pandemic baby, so we were not going anywhere for two years, pretty much. And then we caught the tail end of it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's so true that when to take advantage, if you have a child under two, totally do that. Another thing we did when we were in Disney, which I wish I had planned more mentally, but we had ordered from Instacart when we got mm. there. You know, we ordered water, we ordered some fruits and veggies and things like that just to have some food in the room and snacks. But I didn't realize we got free breakfast with our points. Mm. So I really didn't need to have so much food. So it would have been hacked if we had needed it. So I actually spent more money because we didn't need so much money for food because we did get a free breakfast and just from the parks and stuff. The other trick, which <laughs> is totally not a real trick, but we brought my mother-in-law. And so she also, when the kids wanted things spent money on the kids. So that was like our way of not having to spend on things like that too. <laughs> so yeah, that was our yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, exploit it. I'm sure grandma loves that kind of stuff. I do have a question though. Can you still bring food into the theme parks? You used to be able to bring it in, like you could pack your own lunch. We did not. So because of COVID restrictions, one of my friends who had gone said that they were being very strict with that stuff. And okay. she actually recommended that we book the restaurant. So we did spend money on that. Because I wanted to make sure the kids had food to eat. They weren't doing a lot of the fast food type, you know, where you go and you just pick it up or like the smaller snacks. So I was very adamant to make sure that we had a lunch and dinner in every park. So that did add up. But we I used the Chase card to pay for it. So with spending it on restaurants, you get, I think it's like twice the points. So in a way, I feel like we save same thing with like Uber and Lyft. I use the Chase card to pay for transportation to and from the airport. But for the Lyft, I got five points per Lyft. So I feel like even though we had to spend money, we were still getting a lot of points to make up for it. So yeah. Awesome. I have a couple of Disney hacks that I'm going to add in here just because, you know, families love Disney, even yes. though I didn't think I'd love it. I actually had an anxiety attack at Disney. It was better, but I want to share a couple things. So there's a book and I'm not like an affiliate or anything like that, but it's called The Unofficial Guide to Disney World. Oh, and they have them for all of the other parks, too. I found that to be a super helpful, like in-depth guide on everything from discount tickets to where to stay, all the parks, like how to prioritize, how to plan your day. They have an app that you can download too once you buy the book that's free and it helps you like optimize the lines and everything. I highly recommend that one. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I will say is there is a timeshare that is on Disney property, but it's not a Disney property. It's called the Wyndham Bonnet Creek, and you can use your travel eraser to cover that one. And it's super inexpensive, but you're right on the property. So it's kind of nice. I mean, you can't use the shuttles or anything. We still had a, a van, but I just thought that was really nice because some of the Airbnbs and things like that, they're so far away that you spend a lot of time in traffic and we didn't want to do that. So we just paid to stay close. But I was really shocked. It was it was like an Airbnb on Disney property for like next to nothing. I think it was like less than $200 a night. And again, we hacked all oh, that's that. that's awesome. So. Oh, yeah. and you reminded me. So we stayed on the Doubletree, which was connected with Disney Springs. So we were able to hack into Disney shuttles. Yeah. So we didn't have to worry about that. And that was huge. So that's why I know that like with hotels and stuff, it could be tricky to get a Bia in the park and still save because if most of the hotels are super, super expensive, but we were... I want to say maybe like less than it was less than a mile from Disney Springs. Nice. And we could walk there if we needed to. And then the shuttle took us to Magic Kingdom and Epcot. So it was not a problem. 
Yeah, my kids, we took a down day and it was kind of funny because you can ride the tram pretty much from any hotel. And that's what we did for a day is we just rode the tram to different hotels and like checked them <laughs> out and, you know, got our little shave ice. And yeah, it was really kind of fun. We watched the fireworks at, I don't remember, which there was one of the hotels Epcot. like, no, oh, okay. It was at one of the hotels across the lake from Epcot and it was gorgeous. It was really pretty. So it was kind of fun because we didn't have to be in with the crowd. Yeah, that's when we actually watched the fireworks from the bus and the kids had a blast. I They were terrified of the noise, so it actually worked out better that we were in the other parks. And we, it was like a free show and we were outside and there was no one around us and it was beautiful and we saw it and it was great. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Okay, so Disney obviously is very fun. That seems like a pretty massive adventure. Let's talk just about some simple stuff. Like what are other ways that you guys finance the fun stuff or what are some of the other things you guys like to do for fun? So I'm all about not spending money when I can. So I know a lot of parents are always about activities and trying to do clubs for our kids and stuff. My kids are still five and two. The only thing we really do, we just started both of them in gymnastics. But other than that, we really don't have activities planned. And so you have to really get creative at home of keeping them occupied but not trying to keep up the Joneses. Because in our area, we're in the Northeast, everything costs money. And it's so easy to get into that trap of yeah. you know soccer practice, swim lessons, dance, ball- what you name it. I feel like all yeah. of my friends do all these things, ice skating, skiing. I'm like, who pays for skiing lessons? Like It's so crazy. Yeah. So we have a big backyard and we're also near playgrounds. So we're all about optimizing those. We're also about optimizing obstacle courses and scavenger hunts around the area. And just, I find that it's more about an outlook on life. And if you're excited about something, your kids are going to be excited. So even when we just go for a walk, like everything is awesome. The tree, look at that branch. It looks like a J or whatever. And so I find that really what your podcast teaches is kind of taking the ordinary and making it extraordinary. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. I love hearing that too. And yes, if you can let the kids' curiosity really be a guide, we've done a number of walks. I call them like sensory walks or mystery walks where we'll decide something to look for on the way. Like, okay, Mm. we're looking for, I don't know, like birds. How many birds do we see on this Mm -hmm. walk? You know, so it kind of makes it an adventure out of nothing. (laughs) Yeah. And like just in our backyard the other day, we came up with a racing game. So my daughter and I would say, okay, I would say you go run over there to that corner diagonal, give your brother a high five, do two jumps over here and then come back and give me a high five. And she's like, okay. And she was like, so excited. We're like, all right, on your mark, get set, go. And then like running around and then she'd come up with like a race for me. And we did this for almost two hours and it was just, she had a blast and it was a great workout. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah, because I think the more we do that as adults, the younger they are, the more normal that is. You know, if we can optimize, I always like to say, if we spend more time outdoors than on screens, we're winning in life. (laughs) Yes, and it's so hard. It's so hard these days to do that. And it's also very hard to get creative. Like, I'm very fortunate because I have a very flexible job. So I know it's not always easy for parents. So I totally acknowledge that. And there's probably my daughter gets home around two. So from Mm -hmm. two to five before dinner, like we're trying to figure stuff to do. And even like starting to teach her how to read now. So we try to make a game out of that. So it's just like the little things, you know, that if you can just make it fun, then they'll enjoy it. And they don't know what they're missing. So my daughter doesn't know that she doesn't go to dance like every kid. Right. But that saves us. We don't we have to pay for, you know, all the accessories too with all these things. Yeah. It adds up really quickly. 
Cute story. My daughter, I let her do dance once because she just, I don't know why. I just was like, oh, I feel like you're missing out. I let her do it. And she did okay. She didn't mind it. But it came to recital time and she's like, I'm never doing this again, mom. And I was like, why? And she's like, all they do is tell you to wear makeup. They tell you what to do. They tell you where to stand. Like, I don't get to do anything I want to do. And I was just kind of laughing. I'm like, that's pretty much what dance is. (laughs) I Yeah, it's kind of entertaining to hear sometimes from the voice of a child, like what they want. And, you know, if I'm not the one sitting there spoon feeding, I'm telling them they want to do this. You know, that's all the more power to her. Yeah, well, we're all about swim, though, because swimming, I feel like, is a safety thing. But we joined our local pool club. I think it was 100 bucks for the summer, or maybe 150 for the whole summer. And we can go anytime, any day. And they offered swim lessons for like 50 bucks for it's every day for four weeks for like an hour. So yeah. I felt that was cheap enough and we can walk to the pool club. So that to me is an investment in our kids. So that was an easy yes. And I think the better we are at doing that stuff locally, the easier it is when we travel too. So my little hack is we use those like park and recs programs all mm-hmm. around the country. We're constantly going to community pools and community water parks when we travel, because why would I spend $200 for a family of five to go to some water slide park when there's a community pool down the street? And my kids probably won't even go on the water slide. They'll be in the pool playing most of the day anyway. So I think, <laughs> you know, sometimes when we teach those things, that becomes more normal. And then we learn and we get better at that. And then we can travel and do those things too. I think there's a fine line though that I am struggling with just personally too, of when it's okay to spend money though, to create those memories. So I think there's a point where you do want to save, 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 but there is also a point where it's okay to splurge a little bit for those moments. And so I just encourage people though, as much as I'm saying how much we save, when it does come to certain things, it's easier for me to say yes to because I know we don't spend in other ways. And do you have those things like planned out in advance or are you like, is there a rhyme or reason behind when you choose to spend? You know, not really. I'm just, I'm really about having at least one big trip a year. And Mm -hmm. so I will do everything I can to save, like whether through the hotel, through the airfare and stuff like that. But if we're going someplace and there's something that we really want to do, and let's say the points don't, like if we couldn't figure out a way to get the park tickets, we would have spent money on the park tickets to do Disney World. You know what I mean? So of course I try to look for ways, but then you know, or like once we're there, if the kids really wanted ice cream, I'm going to let them enjoy that ice cream that just, oh, yeah. you know, like they wanted it. You know what I mean? Like it's a balance. Yeah. But then again, I wouldn't spend, you know, I wouldn't buy any memorabilia because I'm like, this is a waste. <laughs> like yeah. they can go to, you know, back in the States and get a, you know, thrift shirt of Minnie Mouse for them. Right. We joked about that too. We're like, there's always Walmart down the street. They sell the same stuff. <laughs> Maybe not the same, but <laughs> like if you mm-hmm. really need it. That's kind of funny. Let's talk about what the wintertime, though, because you live in the Northeast. I live in Wisconsin. What kind of things do you guys do in the winter just to have fun? (laughs) So I really try to do outdoors. And I heard a great quote from someone that there's no bad weather. There's just bad attire. And I was like, that's so true. And so I'm really just personally trying to get better at getting the kids warmer gear that we can enjoy outside more and not be miserable or that it's raining and we can enjoy So that's one thing that I am personally even just working on. But when it does snow here, we're all about igloos and creating. um, There's a hill near our house. So we're all about sledding and things like that. When it's cold, though, we still try to go out for bike rides. We still try to do our walks. We still do. We have a little like play set in our backyard that we got for presents. So 
you know, we let the kids do things like that. It is harder though in the winter. I will say some days you're just like, I don't feel like going outside. It's just too cold out or I'm just not in the mood or it's too rainy or whatever. So I think it's finding balance too with that. We started the thousand hours outside challenge just there just to like keep track of our hours. That's right. I remember you doing that. That was so cool. Yeah. And we're doing pretty good. We're, gosh, we're like 170, I think, hours so far this year. And I was really disheartened by that at first. I was like, oh my gosh, we have like over 800 hours to go. And it's May. (laughs) This is way harder than I thought it was going to be. But I also know once the weather's nicer, like, and these are my hours, by the way, and I am not outside as much as my kids are. My kids are way ahead of me. But I think having that motivation too of like that intention, right? That we go outside when it's cold, that there is no bad weather, just bad gear. You know, like having that mindset and that intention, we built an igloo this year for that reason. Like I needed something that was going to get me outside every single day. Because otherwise, I'll just be like, eh, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because when there's snow, there's no problem going outside. It's when yeah. there's no snow, but it's just cold or rainy to do it. And so we're kind of near the city. Sometimes we'll just go into the city and walk around there too, just to do things. And even playgrounds, like we're so close to three different playgrounds that we could walk to. So that's our easy, you know, just get out, even just walk to the playground. Even if we play for 15 minutes and walk back, you're still outside for like 45 minutes. Yeah. How do you feel about making messes? Oh, I'm all about it. <laughs> I know that's a random question. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm all about it. But I know the elder generation is not so into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I am a former teacher. My husband is a teacher. So my husband's always doing projects. And I know I would always put together like these project bins. It just means that your house is always a mess. And if you're okay with that, I mean, you can make the kids clean up and all that kind of stuff. But for us, it was fun because I'd be like, you know, I'm just sick of trying to entertain you and having this little project bin. And it's everything from like pom-poms and googly eyes and who knows what else. I mean, they're always coming up with things to make. Pipe cleaners is a huge thing. I mean, they don't make a mess. They don't make any noise. Those types of things are things I would always just like pick them up at the Mm. dollar store, throw them in the project bin. They can create their own fun. And I didn't have to always entertain them. I do sometimes, but just no glitter. No, that's I didn't even think of that. No, my daughter loves coloring, loves. So we do actually have a small version of a project bin or a project area where she has her crayons, her colored pencils, her markers, the pom-poms, the sticks, the glue. Yeah. And a lot of time too, it's like, all right, go do it. <laughs> yeah. Go get creative. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's all good for kids. Like you said, that's I feel funny. like sometimes as parents, we feel like we need to entertain them. We need that sport activity. We need that to spend money. And we really don't. Kids are so much easier to please than you think. If you're excited about something like, all right, we're going to make a fort and you're going to only be allowed to like use these pillows. Go like, okay, it's like game on, (laughs) you know, it doesn't have to be this elaborate thing. Yes, it's so true. It's so true. It's kind of fun because we do a a seasonal adventure list too. And I think that has been helpful just to come up with ideas. Because otherwise, I think that's the hardest part is you're like, oh, it's like day 17 of cold and dreary weather. Like, what (laughs) are we going to do? You just get so burned out on trying to entertain them. So I think also having some intention, you know, having some pre-planned activities is helpful. Or going back to how we started the show, community, right? Reach out to people. Having other ideas. I remember in the midst of the pandemic, I was like, can someone give me your menu for the week? I can't even think of like one more meal or... It was just sharing ideas sometimes just helps get you out of a rut. Oh, and we did a lot of Zoom calls to our friends during the pandemic because I'm not about screens. I really try to keep the kids away from screens. But I feel at least if they're interacting, 
then it's okay. So we would FaceTime, you know, my parents, we would FaceTime Joe's parents. And it was just even that too would also just take up some time and engage because they weren't seeing them. So I also feel like I have to say this just to acknowledge it, like the world was in a very difficult space for the past like two years. So I know that people were struggling. I feel like it was okay. And we should just cut ourselves a break because it was hard to parent and think of activities and do things 24 seven. But the fact that you're just listening to this podcast and trying to do things that I know then that you're doing the best that you can. And just to kind of like pat yourself on the back, like you're, you're good. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we all, I mean, I've had this perspective for a long time is like, nobody shows up and is like, I'm going to be a bad parent today. Like, nobody's <laughs> doing that. Okay. Everyone's doing the best that they can with what they have today. So I think we all can cut ourselves just a little bit of slack and give ourselves grace and like, hey, you survived your first pandemic. Good job. Well, this is why I love your podcast so much, though, because even during the pandemic and the awfulness, you were still crowdsourcing ideas from so many people, which made it easier. That's why I loved listening to your podcast, because it just helps me be creative, too, on just if I'm like stuck and can't think of something, I can say, oh, you know, like this was something or do this or that. And then it just makes it easier too. just going back, like you said, to the community. Yeah, exactly. I know. And I don't want to like brag, but I do have amazing listeners. I love there's so many people that will like reach out and ask me questions. I'm like, I love that when people reach out. I mean, let's be honest. I record in my closet. It's the only (laughs) quiet place in my house. Like, This is not always overly engaging work when I'm actually recording. So it's always fun when I know someone's on the other side of that. And you know, right? When you're podcasting, it's like, um, who am I talking to right now? (laughs) Not like having coffee. So I love that. Jen, if people want to find you, if they want to hear more about Investor Mama, or they want to kind of get their finances in order and not be stressed about it and have more fun, how can they find you? Yeah, so you go to InvestorMama.com. You can also go to InvestorMama.com slash connect. You can find my social media at InvestorMama on Instagram, Facebook. Please reach out because I would love to just learn what your needs are and any way I can help you. I love talking anything money. And so especially for your mom, like I said, I know how hard it can be being a mom and trying to do all the things. So don't hesitate to reach out because I really would like to connect. Yeah. And listen to her podcast and go subscribe and leave a review because you guys (laughs) listen to podcasts. That's awesome. Is there anything else you want to share with my audience or anything I didn't ask that you want to leave them with? I just think it's finding, and I know you talk about this so often, but I, I learned this from you. And so if you haven't picked this up from Heidi's podcast, it's really that it's to find that extraordinary in the ordinary. And if you cannot spend money and get creative with things, then, and I know I said this, but I just think it's so important. You don't have to spend money to be a good mom. You can still have fun with your kids and create those memorable moments without breaking the bank. Yeah. And not many people talk about that, right? I mean, you've got a million marketing messages coming at you every day. So thank you for sharing the message, but also thank you so much for what you're doing. And really, I mean, financials are really the foundation of so many things in life and having a really thriving life. So I really appreciate the lens that you bring to the work. And I'm so grateful that I met you in the process of doing this. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jen. And thank you again so much for having me on. It really is a pleasure and an honor to be on your podcast. Ah, I love it. Thanks, Jen. (laughs) Thanks, Heidi. (laughs) 